0: But everything's colored by this. So everything's colored by those family like relationships from when you are younger. It's like your self esteem's colored.
1: yeah. Before we were consciously aware, like we had no. We were little kids, and you know, there's a gentleness I think in really remembering and letting ourselves off the hook. Our child self was doing the best that they knew how to do to cope with whatever environment they found themselves in. These shadow, shadow aside, whatever wounds. They were coping mechanisms and they were effective and they were helpful when we were seven yeah they're not so helpful at 35 yeah and yet they're still in the background
0: welcome to confessions of a financial advisor the antidote to conventional financial wisdom my name is al and i've been a financial advisor for over 20 years This podcast will explore the emotional and psychological factors that affect our behaviors. All of the other financial podcasts out there will talk about the numbers and the math. We will confront the stories that we all fuse with that ultimately set the course for our lives. I am not looking for new clients and have no intention on running for any kind of office. I'm going to tell you like it is and call out all the commonplace BS. Now, let's get into confessions of a financial advisor. All right, we are live for episode 35 of Friends and Family of Origin, part two.
1: Part two. It was such a big topic.
0: I'm here with my partner in crime, my co-host, Diane. Hey, y'all. How are you?
1: I'm great. How are you?
0: I'm ready to dive into the sequel.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We can take this in so many different directions. It is such a large and significant topic that I think, I mean, every human on the planet is familiar with. Because we all have a family and we all have friends and connections in our lives. And there's so many ways that we're impacted by those relationships that, you know, we don't often talk about in our
0: world. Yeah, And particularly the family of origin is like the people that you grew up with, like the people right. in your childhood, that family, mm-hmm. we're not really talking about like your family, mm-hmm. like your kids or.
1: Right. It's your parents and any siblings that you had. It was the family you were born in yeah. that we were born into. That is, it is just as what it is. You can't yeah. change them. You had no
0: like, choice but, but to live with.
1: <laughs> no conscious choice anyway.
0: <laughs> yeah. You're not going, going you're anywhere, like, kid. Yeah. Do you ever want to run away from home? Uh-huh. I had that. Everybody has that at some point. I remember I packed a bag. I had the whole thing planned out.
1: I actually lived with a friend for a little while. By that point, I was in college, so I wasn't really a kid anymore. Oh,
0: okay. Yeah.
1: But I actually lived with a friend for a little while just to get away from my... Family, family.
0: Little separation. I was the
1: oldest of four kids, and we were all packed into this not very large house. And I didn't have my own room, and I was mad about uh, that. I was like, yeah, oh, I'm leaving. <laughs>
2: I'm just going to go live with these yeah. friends.
0: Yeah, I had mine when I was like thirteen, fourteen. Me and a friend, derelict friend, were like, "Yeah, we're running away." No real plan, no nothing. Mm-hmm. We
2: didn't even go. We, I packed own. a
0: bag. I didn't do anything.
2: Yeah,
0: I was a chicken. Mm-hmm. But yet, all of like those those memories of childhood and all of those things that happened in childhood.
1: Those experiences.
0: Yes. And we were talking before that when you're that age, when you're like an adolescent, let's just say or are even younger. Mm-hmm. Like when you look at older people, you just mm-hmm. think something different than what they really are.
1: You assume that they've got it all figured out, that they've got their act together.
0: And yeah. Or when you thought from like, even like elementary school, if you look from elementary school to high school, you're like, Oh, those high school kids, they're bigger than me. They're more mature. Right. They got it together. Mm-hmm. And then every time you get to that next step and you get to there, you start to realize they. once
1: you arrive, you realize, oh, wait,
0: like, I don't know what I'm doing. They didn't know what they were doing. It's all confusion. And it's all
1: con- concept
0: of adulting. And you know, I've talked about adulting is so overrated. Some people pull it off better than others. Like they have that good adult mask. You know, I got my stuff together and i well-groomed and well-dressed. And yeah. I,
1: but how often is it a mask?
0: Yeah. I always I always tend to believe the the shinier and more well put together you look on the outside. Uh-huh. The more is like
1: fucked up things are fucked up the under.
0: Seat. Yeah. Like when you think of the <laughs> fucked up families, like the white picket fence with the perfect this and the perfect that.
1: Skeletons in the closet.
0: Yeah, uh-huh. you wanna you wanna see the imperfections, you know? I do. Yeah. It's more real.
1: Well, we've talked about, yeah, show me your childhood wounds. Tell me, show me your scars. We've all got them. Mm-hmm. We've all got childhood trauma and yeah. we were conscious of it at the time. We were just being our child selves. And and at the time, and it doesn't matter what really, what age, I've heard different theories that it's like prior to seven or eight years old, we pick up these patterns and they're at the time, they're coping mechanisms for our environment. They're survival mechanisms yeah. for us to get through whatever we're experiencing in our, our family environment. But then when they're running in the background at 45, They can be severely detrimental. Mm -hmm. The pattern of like sabotaging relationships or friendships or whatever that looks like. You know, you get these 45-year-olds, 40-year-olds, 30-year-olds, even, they got these patterns sort of in the background and they're not aware of how they're impacting their choices and their behavior.
0: Yeah, or like hypersensitivities. Yeah, you have these things mm-hmm. that are just- Triggers. Bu- triggers, buttons are pressed. People know what those buttons are, especially family of origin. People close to you know what those buttons are. And sometimes they come out though, in, like not from family of origin, but just in your regular life. And you really, like you uh, walk into a room- It could from a
1: school experience. It could come from a teacher. Like we talked about what story is running in the background and whose story is this? Well, you can have a traumatic experience in a classroom. Right. Being reprimanded by a teacher and feeling shame. and Yes. Like how many of us... Well,
0: just around certain friends, like certain things yeah. just come up.
1: Or crappy friends in high school. Yes.
0: Right. And you see them years later and you go right back to that experience. Right back to
1: that experience. You
0: get it. Like in your solar plexus, like you feel it. You're mm-hmm. like, oh, you know, like you almost suck wind a little bit. You're like, oh God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we know that this is somewhat of a financial podcast. It really isn't a financial podcast, but...
1: Well, we're going to tie it into that.
0: We're going to draw a little... Some money issues into this. So I grew up... I mean, there was good... Of course, good and bad in all of this. So Mm -hmm. my parents instilled definitely a good work ethic, but... Yeah. They always said these memes or these catchphrases that were just... These
1: sayings. Yeah. yeah, These Mm
0: -hmm. sayings that when they said them often enough, it starts to build like a reality. So like, money doesn't grow on trees. Can I have that? We can't afford
1: that can't yeah, afford that that's too expensive
0: and i was telling you my dad used to say like i was you know a kid would be like dad could i borrow ten dollars mm-hmm. well if you borrow it you got to give it back to me i'm like okay dad could i have ten dollars and he would right. give it to me but it was like every time i had, like he was very adamant about me saying can i have not mm-hmm. borrow mm-hmm. yeah and just bringing those
1: money is the root of all evil and then you know we hit mm-hmm. 35 and we were talking a little bit about At least my experience working with clients, I grew up adopting a feeling of, there's no such thing as a bad client. That deeply impacted my behavior early in my real estate career because I just felt like I had to say yes to everyone. Yeah. Like I couldn't turn away a client for fear of losing the sale or fear of losing the commission. And I ended up working, I was telling you about one individual in particular, he was yelling at me on the phone. To the degree that I was like, I need you to get off the phone with me and just email me what your concerns are. He was aggressive. He wanted to tell me how to do my job. He wanted to tell a home inspector how to do the home inspector's job. And then he wanted to tell the attorney how to do the attorney's job. He had an attorney friend who I remember called me. Hmm. This was between contract to closing because they did end up buying a house. So I did end up getting paid on it. It wasn't worth the aggravation and the anguish. But his attorney... Contacts me and he said, You better have buckets of patience to deal with him. And I went,
2: Yeah, I
1: didn't get a warning. And like, not everyone needs to be a client. I don't want to work with jerks. That's part of why I became self employed. I don't want to work with people who are miserable and aggressive and just never satisfied. Yeah. That doesn't feel good to me. And yet, for a number of years early in my career, I would just say yes to any client. Well, again, out of fear. It was the fear underlying because as a child, I observed, will you just say yes? Like there's no such thing as a bad client.
2: Mm.
1: Again, it was based in fear and my child self witnessed it. And then at 35, it's running in the background and impacting my satisfaction with my own career. And it took me, I was telling you, a long time, and it's tied definitely to a level of confidence in my own professional ability to be able to stand Mm. up to people and say, no. I heard an agent, this was years ago, describe it as I had to fire them before they could hire Mm. me. I like that. But it took me a long time to learn that. And I've done a lot of deep reflection on my own beliefs about money and how I view money Um, and even how I use money. I'm very intentional about how I spend money, even to the point of supporting small businesses and yeah. So, but that took me a long time to really uncover what was running in the background and really shift all of that. And it's still a work in progress. It still comes up 40 years later. Fear still comes up.
0: And your fear is coming from the interpersonal relationship, how you guys are interacting. It had for me, it, it was solely about I can't lose this money. This sale the sale like just fear that because I was I felt like I was coming from a deprivation state like I was
1: a scarcity mentality
0: yeah always always Mm -hmm. in the scarcity mentality always like scraping for the next sale so every sale was so important right and so if you lost one it was devastating I was like totally I need all of them you know
1: right how am I going to replace this income
0: and which is like the kiss of death for a salesperson because like you don't totally, want to be desperate. Totally. Because it comes through when you're
1: talking to clients. Yes. People pick up on it.
0: Every salesperson out there knows what this feels like. Yeah, You're juggling three different deals. Yep. In the back of your mind, you're thinking, this is going to be amazing if I close all three. Right. The reality is you're probably going to close one out of the three. Right. So you're always juggling these numbers in your head, like because you're juggling different deals, and you think you're going to get it, and you're being disappointed. Yeah,
1: and I think there's an element of comparison to it too. Mm -hmm. The whole scarcity mentality versus there's enough business for everyone. Yeah, it's I'm not I don't need to take clients from you. There's enough business for all of us. Yeah. Why can't a whole? It's tied to the competition as opposed to the collaborative perspective. Yeah. That we've
0: talked about before. I think also the male perspective is we're judged on power, we're judged on our finances, we're and judged production. on production, we're judged mm-hmm. on status. Mm-hmm. Those are like the biggest things for a man where I think when I'm speaking for you, like when women talk about the same type of issue, they're talking about the interpersonal relationship. Right. Like your relationship with the client, that's... Right. ...was more important than the actual money. Like you can't be in this... Yeah. Whereas for me, money overrode everything. Like I just, I'd take it. Bad mm. clients, good client, any client, didn't matter.
1: If you're gonna pay me, yeah, we can do this. And it took
0: me just as long a time as it took you, and the same as you. I still struggle with it. So you know, when I mm-hmm. have a client, which I do, I have a handful of them that mm-hmm. are a little rough around the edges. Challenging. <laughs> That's a nice way of putting it. Yeah, challenging clients. That fear comes up, and then I'm like. You got to put yourself before the money. I have to put my self-esteem before the money. I have to remind myself of that.
1: Well, my own well-being. So years after all of that with the hyper toxic guy, I had had a contact that I had met through a totally different area in my life. And then they'd reached out like, hey, can you help us buy a house? And initially I said, yes. And we looked at several houses and they were just same thing. And I, they called me. And I remember looking, I was in my kitchen, I saw the name come up on my phone and I physically cringed, but I had enough awareness at, by that point in my career to recognize my own physical internal reaction. I'm like, if I'm cringing, when I see your name come up on my phone, I don't think we need to work together.
0: It's crazy how your body tells you that, right? It's telling you. Yeah. Like it's physically...
1: It's showing you. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. Like there's no... You you can't...
1: Like I let it go to voicemail and then I never called them back, which is probably rude.
0: But... I, I know what you mean. I know exactly what you mean.
1: I mean, we didn't have an agency relationship. So I was under no legal obligation to communicate with them, continue communicating.
2: So.
0: Yeah. I mean, for me, it, uh, from a confrontation standpoint, like I'm not a confrontational person. So as soon as somebody comes at me, which some clients do, I'm like... oh either i get defensive or i turn off Shut it's down. like i can't stay in that kind of mode like i can't do this banter this you know debate back and forth and mm-hmm. so those are like the situations with clients where like all right i need people that are going to treat me with respect they're going to be polite yeah. like i need Imagine all those things
2: that.
1: what concepts
0: yeah right please and thank you i mean come on i was taught that when i was like 5 years well, old well
1: and it's expectations too and I used to just stop everything and go show houses at like eight o'clock at night Mm. just because I felt like I had to, if that's when they asked for it. And then finally I just started shifting over. I'm like, this is not fun for me. And then clients who were so respectful started showing up and they're like, how do you feel about Sundays? Like, do you work Sundays? I'm like, what a respectful, beautiful question. (laughs) Like it depends. If you're here for 4 days, I'll make an exception, but yeah. Typically I like to not work on Sunday.
0: Yeah, the older you get, the re- you realize life is too short to deal with that kind of bullshit mm-hmm. in your life. I mean, but you don't know any better when you're that young yeah. and you're scraping and clawing to get what you have. You feel like you're in you're in like a war. Like you're in this war of trying to like stay afloat, Striding. especially in sales. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So work ethic, yeah. I mean, Family of Origin definitely gave me that. But they then on the downside, they give you like, again, those quotes of like, money doesn't grow on trees. Things are too expensive. Mm-hmm. That's too expensive. We can't do that.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And sometimes it wasn't even the things they said. It was just the way like, the behavior, the way they were with money, like, yeah, like even like the tips, the unspoken
1: behavior. like they would
0: leave yeah. and like, uh
1: well, and, and tie this into how it relates to how we show up in relationships. Like, if people are disrespecting you, are you friends with them? Mm. You know, yeah, what are you tolerating?
0: I'll tell you at this point, at forty-seven, I, there's none of that—not not at least amongst friends. I'm still working on it with clients. I've gotten it pretty down too, but like, there's still a handful that I'm on mm-hmm. the fence about.
1: It's most challenging with family, though.
0: Yes, and we and that's how we left off the last podcast episode, mm-hmm. thirty-four, which was the first friends and family of origin. Like, how do you mm-hmm. remove toxic friends? How do you remove toxic family? I mean, family is the tough one because they're family, right? Mm. But they're just people. They're just a person in your just life.
1: Random people that you were thrown into life
0: with. But we were taught as little kids that this is your family, and you never abandon your family. You never turn your back on your family, and the strongest ties you have in this life are your family. It's like you have blood all... is
1: thicker than water.
0: Blood is thicker than water. Yeah, we kept saying that last episode. It's just you have automatic guilt. It's automatic guilt even having the thoughts of like abandoning a family mm-hmm. member. And especially mm-hmm. when you have like a matriarch or like a patriarch in the family that's like literally keeping things together and kind of dictating it's like it's
1: like the central hub,
0: yeah, like my mom was like that for my uncle, like oh, always call your uncle, make sure oh, he's got he got really upset, you didn't call him, and I'm like, mm-hmm. really? is that the way this goes now? So my life is now bound by like I have to call him back on whenever he wants. It's just that kind of relationship where If you don't do what I want you to do, then I'm going to be pissed off. Like, I can't...
1: The conditional relationship. Conditional. Yes. Not reciprocal and not one of choice.
0: Yeah. Like, that's how some people get love. They get Mm love. They think they're getting love by dictating... Well,
1: there's strings attached. Yeah. Well, I'll do this for you with the expectation that you'll do something for me.
0: Yeah. Crap. And that's kind of on the lighter side. This also very controlling people that... Like, they'll literally lay it on to you if you don't do the things they want you to do. Mm -hmm. I've had those people in my family. Mm -hmm. So there is strings attached, but it's almost like a heavier, like, if you don't do this, I'm going to be mad. And now there's going to be an issue between both of us. Now
1: we're going to have a problem. I'm
0: like, I'm non-confrontational. I'm like, I don't want confrontation. So I think they pick up on that.
1: And take advantage of it.
0: They do. Mm -hmm. They definitely do. Yeah.
1: Vulnerability.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Until you get to like a, a breaking point where you're just like, that's it. I'm, I'm over it. I'm done. I can't do it anymore.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And then it's it escalates. Like their last plea is like, "Well, I'm family. How do you treat family like that?" I'm like, "Wait it's a, a guilt second. Trip. Yeah, it's a guilt trip. Yeah. So all those childhood hurts, all those like little childhood things that you don't really think about, but they start coming back up in adulthood. Mm-hmm. Just little things come back up, like that feeling that you get in your chest when somebody calls, and you're know, like, "Oh, it's that person.
1: Right. Or, I don't want to talk to them.
0: Yeah." It happens in weird, like even like in social interactions where I've never met the people before, but like I get some sort of energy from a person. I'm like, oh, yeah. I don't, want, I'm like repelled by that mm-hmm. person, mm-hmm. or I just feel real uncomfortable around certain people. You know, I'm like, mm-hmm. why am I feeling uncomfortable? They haven't really done anything. I don't, I don't even know these people. Right? They just posture in a certain way, or they just have a certain body language that's just
1: mm-hmm. a certain vibe.
0: Hmm. Mm-hmm. Not to get all woo woo, but yeah, a certain vibe. Well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but everything's colored by this. So everything's colored by those family like relationships from when you are younger. It's like it's your self-esteem's colored.
1: Yeah, before we were consciously aware, like we had no. We were little kids, and you know, there's a gentleness I think in really remembering and letting ourselves off the hook. Our child self was doing the best that they knew how to do to cope with whatever environment they found themselves in. These shadow. Shadow aside, whatever wounds they were coping mechanisms and they were effective and they were helpful when we were seven yeah they're not so helpful at 35 yeah and yet they're still in the background yep and so i'm a i call it a recovering people pleaser i'm also a recovering perfectionist because recovery is a process mm-hmm And so I've really gotten to a point where I really question when I'm making decisions, am I saying yes, because this is something that is meaningful and passionate and I want to do, or am I saying yes to not disappoint someone else? Mm. And that's an important distinction. Yeah. Because I could pack my calendar with meetings and appointments and events by saying yes out of fear of disappointing other people rather than coming from a place of internal passion and intuition.
0: Yeah, that makes me think about, I try to like decipher like what are really my beliefs and what are the beliefs that were given to me Mm -hmm. in childhood? You know, you start to think about like, Mm -hmm. for instance, marriage. It's just assumed. It's assumed. Mm -hmm. You get married. You get older, you get married.
1: It's an expectation.
0: It's a given. It's like it was like college for me. It was like college was a given.
1: This is the next logical step.
0: You just go to college after I didn't have a choice. You just go to college mm-hmm. or relationships. Like you have to have a relationship. you have to find a girl mm. and you have to have a relationship. Like there's certain things like you have to do. And then again, the family thing, you have to stay in touch with your family because your family is like such a tight knit group and that, that, you know, you always have family, friends will come and go, blah, blah, blah. And so I'm st- as an adult, I think I'm constantly trying to figure out what are my beliefs right. without the coloring of everything I was taught mm-hmm. or like I was witnessing in childhood. Mm-hmm. It's tough. It's tough to decipher.
1: Clarity on values has been really helpful mm-hmm. for me. And it's, I call it discerning. It's not judgment. I, I'm not judging who you are as a human. Like I'm not saying you're good or bad. I'm just saying... You're showing me your behavior is not in alignment with my personal values. Like integrity is one of them. Honesty, like if people choose to show me that they're being deceptive, we're not going to have much of a connection for very long
2: Mm.
1: because their behavior and their choices that I can't influence and control are so far out of alignment with what is meaningful to me personally. I'm like, then we just need to grow our separate ways. Yeah. Bless and release as Glennon Doyle would say. Mm. Wish you well. Have a nice life. Well,
0: Bye. it's like a v- values-based living. I mean, that's really... If you can kind of stay in that mind frame of like, you live by the values that you have.
1: And it's a process because my values have changed over the years. And that that's interesting to reflect on too. And journaling has been really helpful for me with that. Mm-hmm. But really reflecting on what do I value? And really continuing to refine and narrow that focus. What are my true, true core values? Yeah. What are my non-negotiables?
0: I think when it comes to friends, like when I'm kind of weighing like, you know, whether or not I want to be friends with someone, I'm always thinking about, does that person want me to feel good about myself? Because I genuinely like when I'm interacting with other people, like I want them to feel good. Like I don't Mm -hmm. ever get into an interaction thinking like, I'm gonna take it. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna start debating, and I'm <laughs> gonna bring up all this controversy, and just sort of like go down some weird rabbit hole. I'm like, no. I, I ultimately and, just want to like yeah. have a good conversation, have you feel good about it, mm-hmm. walk away with it feeling good because I want to feel, and I want that to be reciprocated. Mutuality. yeah. And so, and I can feel that. That's something like it doesn't take long to pick up on. No. Like some people are just inherently that way. They're nice. Like some people just, are
1: just inherently self focused and self centered. Yes. There's different scales, not everyone is quote unquote classified as a narcissist. There's different scales of Mm self-absorption, but you can pick up on it when people are just out for themselves. Like they're in it to get something. Yeah. They have like an ulterior motive or agenda. I would describe it as. Yeah. You're looking to get something from me. You're not here altruistically.
0: Hmm. It's funny. This is the thing. Like my I don't know what your parents were like growing up, but my parents didn't have many friends. Their family were their friends. Like it was sort of like everything was about yeah. family. Yeah. Even yeah, it was strange. Like they didn't really have friends. Like a social circle? Their family was the social circle.
1: My family is shocked. They're like, How do you know so many people? I'm like, I've been collecting them over
0: the it's years. So like polar opposite
1: yeah but like my my mom had a very tight circle of friends that she has known most of her life like from elementary school and they're still connected yes so my mom always had a lot of friends and my dad had his friends too but my dad was always working constantly working so like he didn't have a lot of time left over to socialize and my mom is definitely Mm. the more social butterfly of the two of them yeah My dad's not antisocial, but my mom
0: will talk to anyone. My my parents, opposite, opposite, antisocial. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm not antisocial, but like, they're not going to like initiate, you know, they're, they're basically. My
1: mom definitely does. But we also come from a very large family as well. My dad's one of six kids. My mom's one of three. So many cousins, aunts, uncles, Yes. extended family now over the years has grown i come from a very large family yeah
0: me too and so i just came to the realization that wow like my parents never had friends but like their family was their friends and when they saw yeah. us as kids not being as connected as they were with their family yeah they were like no 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 you got to be real connected with your family and the more they like pushed mm-hmm. it's almost like the more we resisted mm-hmm. And we went our separate yeah. ways and we had our own friends and I had a whole network of you know
1: and relationships change over time. Yeah like some people that were close years and years ago are no longer close and that's okay. Like relationships shift yes over time. They don't they're not static, they're fluid, mm. and that's okay. Sorry to you about my family. I love them <laughs> from a the distance.
0: I just think of the big things like marriage, I think mm-hmm. of Again, your self-esteem. A lot of it came from how you were treated in childhood. I mean,
1: Childhood experiences. Mm-hmm.
0: Relationships. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's so many things that yeah, you don't even realize you're picking up on it, but you are as a child. And then you get into adulthood and then it's coming back around. You're like, where the hell did that come from? Right. Why did I think I needed to be married? Why did I think I needed this much money to be happy? Or why did I think I needed a certain amount of security essentially i the further i climbed up all of these ladders the more i realized wow that wasn't the right wall i was not on the right wall there
2: i like that
0: the money thing i'm like all right i got a little bit of that oh chasing
1: the external feel... metrics of success like whereas what's really fulfilling and certainly mm-hmm. as women i think we are more relationship focused but you're very relationship focused too yes
0: More than most men. And I
1: want meaningful and fulfilling relationships. I don't want superficial. Like, you know, I don't do superficial. We don't need to chat about whatever.
0: (laughs) The Panthers. The weather. They're not playing anyway. (laughs) Sorry, guys. No fantasy football.
1: I don't mind the Panthers.
0: No, I don't mind it either. <laughs>
1: but yeah, I have friends. I have friends that actually are season ticket holders. Yeah. And they're all about going to the game every week. And I'm like, mm. maybe once in a while.
0: So, I mean, going off on a little bit of a tangent here. When somebody says... And I left off the last episode, I think, with something along these lines of like... When people say like, Oh, yeah, Joe is such a great guy. He's a family man. Or "Joe's a great guy. A real God-fearing man. Mm. Like you hear that down south, and it's like mm. a you know a compliments. Oh yeah, badge of honor. Look at him; he's a god fearing man. I always thought badge that badge of honor yeah. that term specifically was like freaked me out. I'm like, what does that mean? Like, I don't know. I don't get it. Like, mm. just that you're afraid of
1: because we didn't grow up hearing terminology no. like that. People in New York don't talk like nope. that. Nope, they don't. It's definitely a southern thing.
0: God-fearing. Like you,
1: Family man. And sometimes the people whose presentations are the most polished. Yes. Have the dirtiest skeletons
0: in the closet. Mm-hmm. Those perfect families with the perfect pictures with the two dogs in front and the white picket fence. And
1: the highlight reel.
0: Got a lot going on behind the scenes. Yeah.
1: What are you trying to hide?
0: <laughs> it's so crazy.
1: Yeah. I don't enjoy interacting with people like that. They're like, look at my whatever luxury vacation i'm
0: like good for you like, well yeah. yeah i mean i did <laughs> like the whole hashtag living the best life ever like that, that killed. oh killed. my
1: god that was so uh, funny <laughs> yeah
0: we just started doing stupid <laughs> videos about like living the best life ever
1: living my worst life
0: yeah living the worst life ever that's what it was called if you want to look that up it was fun <laughs>
1: <laughs> you gotta be able to laugh at yourself you do and those are again the people that i connect with the most deeply Humor is actually, I that actually really surprised me that that is very high on my list of core values. Mm. Like, any even working with any client in a stressful situation, I'm like, back sense of humor, yeah, because if you can't laugh with me, this is going down a dark road. We gotta be able to laugh at ourselves and have a little fun, it can all be. All dark and depressing and stressful and heavy all the time. I mean, it's
0: oh, it can, weird. unfortunately. But yeah, yeah it shouldn't but, be. Right. You got to like combat that.
1: Yeah.
0: Pack a sense of humor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> my parents had good senses of humor. Like basically, the one, the one I remember that would always make me laugh. Like my mom would always tell this story about like being pregnant with my sister. hmm And my mm-hmm. dad gains weight. Like, while my mom was pregnant. Oh. And she would be like, yeah. She's like, yeah, I'm pregnant. Exactly and he way. gains 30 pounds. You know? And she would do this whole, like... It was hilarious. Wow. And he'd be, like, rolling his eyes and shaking his head. Mm-hmm. They had, like, this kind of banter. Like, this mm-hmm. humor. But it was funny. Yeah. Some of it was, like, a dry kind of humor. But yeah, I agree. So, yeah, you got to take the good with the bad. I mean, the friends and the family of origin... I mean, the family of origin... I think we talked about this last episode, too. If you're going to, like put everything off on your parents, all the bad things that have happened. I should, if they would have just treated me Mm -hmm. this way, Mm -hmm. I would have been so much better off. Or if they would have just been better parents in this way, if they would have nurtured me in a better way, you could go down a laundry list of things of what they should have, could have done different that would have made you a better off human being.
1: Playing the professional victim.
0: Yeah. And then you start to think, well, flip that. And like, maybe they showed you what not to do. And we talked about that before in other episodes.
1: So I don't remember when it
2: was
0: Yeah.
1: and I realized, I'm like, oh, I'm the one that I've been waiting for. I'm the only one that can actually effectively parent my inner child because we all have an inner child. The inner child never goes away. It's always with us. And I realized, I'm like, I'm the one she's been waiting for because I'm the only one that can give her the permission, the approval, the love, and the affection that she's been waiting for all these years my parents weren't equipped to give her what she wanted and needed in the ways that she wanted and needed it. But I am.
0: And nobody else is now too, like relationships.
1: No, no, no partner. No.
0: But I think that's what a lot of people do is they come to the relationship thinking you're going to help me out. You're going to basically be the person that's going to take care of me. Mm -hmm. Not just financially, just like everywhere, emotionally. And it doesn't work like because like you're putting too much on no. someone else. There are different...
1: What heavy expectations to place on another individual? And it's
0: impossible. It's just that it won't be...
1: It's not. It's not possible. Yeah. No. And it's been a work in progress for me. But I'm a lot... It comes back to the whole being more gentle with myself. Yeah. And that realization is definitely very tied to giving myself permission just to just take a walk. Mm-hmm. Take a nap. Yeah. Like I was in bed until 9 o'clock this morning because I was up until...
0: One thirty. I think you've been through so many different storms of thoughts and emotions. Think of it like being a sailor, like out at sea. Yeah. Like he's been through like a hundred storms. Like you start to see what's gonna happen. Like you start to play it out. And when you're in it, it sucks still. Yeah,
1: you're gonna get wet. Like
0: I've gotten through 99 of them already, and you have some kind of reference points.
1: Mm. Have we mentioned that (laughs) word vicissitudes? I think we have.
0: You have, yes. I don't use that word. I love that. Word. But I do like the word. It's a cool word. I don't even know if I could say it. Vicissitudes. Okay, I got it. Yeah.
1: We all have days that feel more challenging. Turbulence. That, you yeah. know, things really don't go our way. And then we have days that we sail through beautifully. And it's taking the ups yeah. with the downs and realizing that life isn't ever... I mean, there are times when there are calm seas, but then there's times when there's a hurricane. Yep. Can't control it. Yeah.
0: And human beings don't want hurricanes. We want calm seas. It's like we want something that inherently, we don't want change. We want things to be consistent. <laughs> we want the outer world to come. Mm-hmm, Isn't that Yeah. It is. Yeah. I mean, that that's where all the turbulence comes from.
1: Well, and it's all an internal experience. Yeah. Because we're all arguing in our own minds with whatever it is. So there's a book by Byron Katie, mm-hmm. Loving What Is. Mm-hmm. She talks about the power of just radical acceptance. And you've talked about Tara Brock. I
2: think yeah.
1: just radical acceptance of whatever is like arguing about whatever they said or didn't say is only causing you pain internally. I'm going to change whatever they did or didn't say. Right. I have a list of words I would like to see banned and should is one of them. And I still catch myself saying mm. it sometimes. I'm like, should have turned left instead of right like well okay but they did or they didn't you arguing about it as a wholly internal complex experience (laughs) this comes back to the beauty of meditation which I know you and I have talked a lot about yeah it's just a radical acceptance of whatever is. it's a much more
0: gentle way of living just letting go like a constant letting go of just yeah mm -hmm. I don't know why I'm thinking about this story, but I got to say it just because in some way I think it relates. I read this article about, you know when there was those, maybe this still happening, there was like boats that were coming over from Haiti. And so they, people would jump yeah. on these boats, yeah, yeah. like 30 people on a boat. And like the thing would literally just float over to like Miami or something. Yes. I forgot what it was called. It was, there was a word for it. But I remember reading this article about, you know, there's these people in these boats for like days and days on end and the blistering mm. sun and like, Mm-hmm. Barely any water, barely any food. Mm-hmm. And one of the boats, I guess, kind of got to shore and somebody like went on the boat to find out like what was going on in the boat, thinking like they're all like fighting for their lives. Right. Just in survival mode. No. They were like mm-hmm. bickering. Two ladies were in a fight really? because one of the guys was looking at the guy that she was with. And so there was all these like tensions and sort of trivial kind of like conflicts. Just squabbles that they were having where you would think that they're like we're in survival mode like we've been out at sea like no they're having like just interpersonal it's all what's going on like you said the internal experience their internal experience goes right to Mm -hmm. why are you looking at my husband's wow yeah i thought that was so interesting i was like it was the last thing i thought would have been happening on that boat Mm. i mean who would have ever thought you know it just seems so again it's trivial you put
1: people in close quarters
0: yeah. Interpersonal conflicts
1: are <laughs> going to arise.
0: Survival boats from Haiti. They're they're bickering okay. about jealousy. All right. So we should wrap this up.
1: Yeah. So what are we talking about next
0: week? We are going to talk about the fear of success.
1: Mm.
0: Now we did... What was the last one we did about success? We did the danger of the success. The danger
1: of success.
0: So it's a little bit of a slant on the danger of success. It's fear of success. Mm-hmm. And why do you have fear of success? Everybody thinks it's fear of failure, right? That's easy right. to understand.
1: Or we talked about fear of intimacy too. Oh
0: boy. Yeah, It's a whole nother one, right? <laughs> yeah, I'll that's go a good one. I mean, yeah. So what would I mean? Fear of failure, obvious. Like, you know, nobody wants to fail.
1: Nobody wants to fail. Nobody sets out to fail,
0: but... But like fear to succeed? Like, why would you fear succeeding?
1: It's so counterintuitive mm. to think about it. I and mean, it's very accurate.
0: Well, you had that, and you've mentioned this before in the podcast, the Marianne Williamson quote.
1: Yes. It's not our darkness that most terrifies us. It is our power and our light. Something to that effect. Yeah. Google it. It's it's all over the internet. (laughs) (laughs) It's attributed not just to her, I think, to other people people too. Yeah. Yeah, it's not our darkness that most terrifies us. It's our our light. It's how powerful we really might be. And, you know, it's tied to the ways that we hold ourselves back. And that relates to fear of intimacy. So there's an app, it's called The Pattern. Mm. It is creepy as hell. Okay. So, and if you Google it, Channing Tatum has actually written about it. And he's like, How the hell does the pattern know what I was talking about with my therapist? Like, <laughs> so you put in your date of birth and ideally, you know, the time that you were born, and it pulls up, like basically your it's not a static personality profile, but it's your default way of Mm -hmm. operating. And so mine on relationships was fears and hesitation. I went, oh, oh." (laughs) (laughs) there's no accuracy in that. And I'm not, I'm actually not fearful anymore. I'm not the runner that I once was. Yeah. So I've grown and changed. But yeah, that is my default for sure. Fears and hesitations. So it sends you like daily updates. Just Google the app, the pattern, and you'll Mm. find it.
0: Well, this totally goes into like that self-sabotage kind of thing. Yeah. Your fear of success. Yeah. Like now you're scared and you're in the yeah. final like stretch and now you yeah. just blow everything up.
1: Yeah.
0: Like you're, you're almost done writing that book and then...
1: It takes however long it takes.
0: No, I actually... I was listening to Stephen Penfield. You ever hear St- Stephen Penfield? No. He wrote a book and he was talking about how he literally like... Had ninety nine percent of his first book done, mm-hmm. and then literally like lost his shit and just like never finished the book. Divorced his wife, went on the like blew up his entire life. Wow! At ninety nine, he said it was like basically finished, and he was so terrified huh. that he literally destroyed his life. Wow! Yeah, well, on that note, destroying your life. Yeah. Wow! Oh. Fear of, fear of success. <laughs> I'm keep this on the
1: lighter side.
0: <laughs> I know. It's a dark time. Come on. (laughs) Episode 36, Fear of Success. Yeah. So please come follow us at faconfessions.com and like and subscribe and share and maybe write us a review. Mm -hmm. That was fun, Diane.
1: That was a lot of fun.
0: All right. So we'll see you next week, everyone.
1: See you next week.